Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I'm excited to announce that we just launched my new book, The Fasting Transformation, a functional guide to burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that I'm a huge advocate of fasting. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting helps balance your blood sugar and improve your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in the body, how it optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and activates stem cells for deep cellular healing. Guys, I go through how fasting, I go through all the best science and research on intermittent and extended fasting and how to utilize it to help prevent or even heal from cancer, autoimmune conditions, digestive disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Guys, the book goes over all the various research and practical applications for daily intermittent fasting, partial fasting, and extended fasting. This book is designed to help inspire and empower you to embrace a fasting lifestyle while also enjoying tasty and healthy foods at the right time to improve your metabolic flexibility and energy efficiency so you can burn fat for fuel and have all day energy. You are gonna love this book, so check it out. You can get it on amazon.com. We also have a website, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. That's drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. You can learn more about it. And of course, you can pick the book up on Amazon. You're going to love it. Thanks so much, guys. This podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos on inflammaging. So inflammaging is really how inflammation accelerates the aging process in our body. We know inflammation is literally behind every single chronic degenerative condition and inflammation will age your skin, your joints, and your brain faster than anything. And so I go through the root causes of inflammation and the natural strategies you can take to help slow down the aging process, to help keep inflammation under control so you can really thrive in life. You guys are gonna love this podcast. And if you haven't left us a five-star review, please do that. We would be so honored. Just go to Apple iTunes, scroll to the bottom of our podcast, and you can leave a review. When you do that, you help us reach more people and impact more lives. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do that as well. That way you get notified whenever I put up a new podcast. Thanks so much for doing that, and let's go into the show. 
Hey guys, today we are talking about inflammaging and the role of inflammation in the acceleration of aging. And so we know inflammation plays a huge role in how we age and our overall health. And so, you know, on a regular basis, we are being exposed to a lot of environmental challenges. These are coming from viruses that we're exposed to, bacteria that we're exposed to, different food stressors. Like, for example, if we're eating a lot of sugar, that is a stressor. Or if uh, we're eating bad fats, omega-6 processed, trans fats, things like that, that's all a stressor in our body, psychological stress, chemicals that we're being exposed to, physical stimuli like bad posture or trauma, all of these things are stressors on our system and they promote inflammation. Now, the way that we adapt and get stronger, and we're always adapting. So we're, we're consistently adapting and that's what allows us to survive. But we really wanna do more than survive. We wanna thrive and that's really you know what this is all about. And so that's where we really need to work on our lifestyle. And that's what I'm gonna talk about in this presentation. Good anti-inflammatory diet, doing things like intermittent fasting and regular exercise, things that will help stimulate autophagy where our body breaks down older, damaged cellular organelles. You see these organelles like our mitochondria become damaged by oxidative stress that's coming from all these factors, bacteria, viruses, you know, food stressors, blood sugar imbalances, uh, psychological stressors, chemicals that we're being exposed to. So we really need that healthy lifestyle. When we are following a healthy lifestyle, we have more anti-inflammatory activity than pro-inflammatory activity. And therefore we're gonna age really successfully. And that's the key here is we wanna really age successfully. See, inflammaging creates these senescent zombie cells. And this is because again, increased oxidative stress as we age, it damages all different types of components of our body, exhausts our stem cells, creates cytokines that are older, they're senescent and they create more inflammation. It creates dysfunction in our digestive tract uh, with an overgrowth of bad bacteria, creates damage to the mitochondria, creates structural DNA damage as well, this oxidative stress. So it's consistently hammering our system, system and uh, creating these zombie cells that are very, very problematic. And so we know that inflammation affects every system of our body, our brain, our cardiovascular system, our muscles, bones, skin. And a lot of people think that osteoporosis is a mineral deficiency, like a calcium deficiency, but really it's inflammation that's impacting the bones. And so we've got to get the inflammation under control in order to have healthy bone tissue. So we know the lungs can become inflamed, the GI system, the kidneys, the liver, the thyroid. So inflammation is at the root and we've got to keep inflammation under control. We know that inflammation is actually a very healthy thing when it's under control. Inflammation is kind of like, uh, you know, it's like having a fire in your fireplace. It's great when it's in our fireplace. However, when, you know, we pour gasoline on it, now that fire goes all over our walls and starts burning us down. And that's what we're doing with our lifestyle. We're, we're causing an abnormal inflammatory response, and that's creating all these different health problems. And so here are top foods and food ingredients 
that really promote inflammation and inflammaging that accelerate the aging process. So gluten, <clears throat> we know that's in wheat, barley, rye, oats, right? Things like that can have gluten. Um, really all grains in general have some gluten component. Some are not as allergenic. Some of the uh, gliadin components are not as allergenic as what we find in wheat. However, really all grains are going to contain some components here. Sugar. So we want to really keep our sugar levels down and obviously keeping our refined carbohydrates down. Conventionally raised meat and dairy. These things can be loaded with toxins. You know, we're, we're th these animals are eating all of this toxic grain oftentimes, right? So they're eating corn and soy that has lots of glyphosate and other pesticides on it. And then they bioaccumulate that into their dairy, into their meat. So we want to do our best to reduce or avoid that and really stick with grass-fed organic uh, animal products. Farm-raised fish and seafood. Unfortunately, most seafood farms, most fish farms are feeding the animals genetically modified grains and they're loaded with chemicals. And so we want to avoid that. We want wild caught. Your processed conventional meats, right? So again, you know, these, um, you know, deli meats and stuff like that, they can be real problematic, you know, for a number of reasons. One is that they also oftentimes have nitrates. They're cooked in bad oils a lot of times. So these are, are, are things we got to look out for. Trans fats, so, you know, all of your, your, your conventional baked goods, they have these partially hydrogenated oils we want to avoid. They also have additives and preservatives that we want to avoid. Highly processed vegetable and seed oils. So your corn, soybean, peanut, cottonseed, canola oil. We want to avoid those things. So, sunflower seed uh, oil as well. We want to avoid those things. They are toxic, create inflammation. And then artificial sweeteners as well. Super important. Now, Insulin resistance is a really big issue. Insulin is a pro-inflammatory hormone. So insulin is also a life-saving hormone. It takes sugar out of the bloodstream, puts it into the cells where it can be used as energy. When we don't have enough insulin, we end up creating advanced glycation end products. And I'll just jump right here. These glycation end products, they actually create damage to our proteins like collagen, for example. Collagen is our major protein that is in our joints, our bones, our ligaments, muscles, as well as our skin and our blood vessels. And so when we create these glycation proteins, these advanced glycation uh, enzymes, AGEs, they do exactly that. They accelerate the aging process of our body. So prolonged bouts of high blood sugar, hyperglycemia, result in a large production of these AGEs, which damage the endothelial lining, the blood vessels. They also damage the nerves, joints, major organs. They damage the skin. So if you want to look young, you've got to keep your blood sugar levels under control and not be producing these AGEs. Now, insulin comes out and insulin's job, and I'm going to circle back to that other slide here in a minute, but insulin's job is to take sugar out of the bloodstream, right? It's produced by the pancreas, gets it out of the bloodstream. So we don't create these AGEs and they put it into the cells where it can be used for energy. Now, the problem is when we're consistently bumping up insulin, then the cells, we, we develop resistance where the cells are not able to get insulin into, or they're not able to react to insulin. So they're not able to get the sugar into the cells 
And now they're not going to be able to produce enough energy. So the cells themselves are not able to produce the energy they need. Insulin also brings magnesium and other key minerals and nutrients into the cell. So the cell becomes very deficient and it creates more oxidative stress in the cell, which increases the amount of senescent or old damaged cells and also increases the amount of inflammation in the body. And inflammation can increase more carb cravings, especially because our cells are needing energy. They're not producing enough. So we think I need more quick energy. So we start craving carbs. We consistently are consuming them and causing problems. Now, the way that we measure your level of glycation, these glycation end products, is something called hemoglobin A1C. Now, a hemoglobin A1C of 5.7 is considered pre-diabetic. Okay, that means 5.7% of your red blood cells have signs of basically of cell damage. You really want this to be under five, ideally. Okay, if you're up over six, they call that diabetic. And really, you want that under five. Okay, ideally, you know, 4.5 to 5.2 at the highest um, to know that your body's functioning well. Okay, so I'm typically trying to get that to, to five or less, usually. And that's telling us, again, glyc glycation is down. Now, the other thing we're looking at is your fasting insulin levels. Fasting insulin should be between one and five. You could have a good hemoglobin A1C, but your fasting insulin may be you know, 10 or 12, and that's a sign you're producing too much insulin. Too much insulin is a sign of insulin resistance, and insulin promotes inflammation again. So here are signs that you may have insulin resistance. You tend to be overweight, particularly abdominal weight, right? Insulin has a greater tendency to cause more fat storage in your, your belly fat. Okay, and insulin is a fat storage hormone. It stops fat burning, turns on inflammation. So if you have trouble losing weight, that could be a sign of insulin resistance. If you have, tend to have a large appetite, and then after you eat, you crave sweets. So you eat your food, and then you're like, I gotta have something sweet after the meal, could be a sign of insulin resistance, especially if the eating the sweets doesn't relieve the cravings, okay? Um, you know, you eat the sweets, but your body's still struggling to get the sugar into the cells. So you still have the craving. Um, if you feel more tired after meals. So when you eat, you should feel good after you eat. If you feel tired after you eat, it could be a sign that you have insulin resistance. If you produce too much insulin, you can be tired after you eat, or it could be a sign that you either ate too much or you have a food sensitivity to the food that you ate. So you ate something that your body was reacting negatively to. Now, if you feel energized after you eat, okay, like a lot, like you have a lot more energy, you were tired before the meal, it may be a sign you're under eating and you needed to eat more, right? So those good things to look out for. If you have frequent thirst and a constant urge to urinate, that could be a sign of insulin resistance. Also things like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, estrogen, testosterone dominance for, for women, some women develop testosterone dominance, and that's a sign of insulin resistance, and that creates polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, other women will develop estrogen dominance, and that can also be a sign of insulin resistance. So it really just depends on um, you know, the genetics of the woman, whether they're going to boost up testosterone or boost up estrogen when they have insulin resistance. But either way, it's a hormonal imbalance. For males, males will have low testosterone. So low testosterone is a classic sign of insulin resistance for males. Also skin issues like acne, skin tags, and skin pigmentation changes. So where you know you get like a browning of your skin, that is a sign of insulin resistance. 
and then high blood pressure and also high triglycerides are classic signs of insulin resistance. So if you have, you know, really three or more of these, those are classic signs of insulin resistance that you got to watch out for. Okay. So let's go here now beyond blood sugar stability. We also need to really look at our gut. And so we know that our gut is consistently under attack. You know, we've got pathogens. We're trying to get food particles to get through the, you know, one cell layer of our small intestine and into the bloodstream, but we want them to be fully digested. And that way they get into the bloodstream and are delivered to the cells. When we have inflammation, now it damages the tight junctions that hold the gut lining together. And now we can have bacteria, uh, yeast, different parasites, microorganisms, and undigested food particles that get into the bloodstream and then they travel up and, and our body creates an immune response because they're abnormal proteins and the body is worried. And this is really, you know, kind of at the root of inflammation is this idea that there are, you know, throughout the history of mankind, more people have died from systemic infections, meaning infections that got into the bloodstream, spread wildly, went into major regions, major organs like our lungs and created pneumonia or our nervous system created meningitis and killed us. And so inflammation is an adaptation that our bodies have made to prevent against dying quickly. So we create this rapid immune response when there's abnormal proteins in the bloodstream. The problem today is, you know, basically we're getting a lot of these from leaky gut. And very rarely do you hear about people dying, you know, at least healthy people dying from uh, pneumonia, meningitis, and stuff like that. We have antibiotics. We have a lot of medical treatments that can help prevent against, you know, a systemic infection from killing us. However, we can get these little stealth infections, right? So these lower level, right? They're not quite as burdensome on the body or not really anywhere as near as burdensome as like a spinal meningitis. However, they're still burdensome, right? They're still creating a stressor on our body and they're a threat to our survival. So the immune system ramps up, creates more inflammation. And the problem is that these things go on and on and on, right? Because the gut's not healed. And we just, every time we eat, we're getting more of these things seeping into the bloodstream, creating more and more inflammation in our system. And that creates serious problems. Now, long-term, you know, when we get oxidative stress in our system, it damages the mitochondria. And damaged mitochondria, mitochondrial dysfunction is associated with accelerated aging, as well as a lot of other conditions. You know, we have more mitochondria in our brain, 10,000 mitochondria in our brain or per neuron than really any other cell of the body, except for our ovaries. If you're a woman or your testes for males, they have more. But other than that, you know, we have so many mitochondria in the brain. And so a lot of these mitochondrial dysfunctional disorders are related to uh, you know, the brain issues, right? Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, autism, right? So damage to the mitochondria. So we got to keep the mitochondria healthy. We also know stress obviously is a big component with how we age. One major reason is because stress drives up stress hormones and stress hormones are designed to keep us alive. And so in order to keep us alive, we need to produce energy quickly. So if we have to produce energy quickly, we need glucose. Glucose, we can produce energy with without the use of oxygen, right? So if we have to run, if we're going into fight or flight and we've got to run for our lives, we need glucose elevated in our bloodstream. So when we're under stress, the body really doesn't know the difference between you, know, you being stressed in your car about traffic or you trying to run for your life. So it increases blood sugar. 
And of course, that ends up increasing insulin. And if we're consistently doing this, we also develop not only insulin resistance, but also we develop cortisol resistance. And cortisol is one of our major stress hormones that elevates blood sugar. Cortisol is also an anti-inflammatory hormone. So if we have the proper concentrations of cortisol, it helps keep inflammation under control. However, if we don't, if we're elevating cortisol too much, we create cortisol resistance at the cells. And now we're not able to get the anti-inflammatory message and inflammation increases in our system. So we got to keep stress under control. We got to keep stealth, you know, um, major infections, biotoxins, mold, yeast, Lyme disease, viral, bacterial endotoxins, right? These types of things create rampant inflammation and can certainly accelerate the aging process in our bodies. So we've got to keep those under control. Mycotoxins, you know, are, you know, one that we're really, a lot of good research is coming out talking about their effects on inflammation. And we find these in certain foods like nuts and grains and stuff like that can oftentimes have mycotoxins, even coffee. That's why I recommend a mycotoxin-free coffee. It's been tested. Also in your home, if you're being exposed to mold, mold is producing mycotoxins. Mycotoxins produced by mold are basically their natural pesticides, right? So mold produces these compounds in order to protect them, in order to kill off their competitors so they can survive and also their predators so they can survive and they damage us. They create massive inflammation in our system. Now, vitamin D is also key. And I'm going to go through solutions as we get going here, uh, as we uh, go in later. But vitamin D is also key when it comes to aging successfully. We know that vitamin D is really critical for keeping inflammation under control. And here are 10 signs you may need more vitamin D. If you notice that you have greater pain sensitivity, that is a classic sign of vitamin D deficiency, that small things cause pain that wouldn't normally cause pain in somebody else. Okay, mood issues, oftentimes grouchiness, um, you know, uh, bipolar, uh, you know, different types of, you know, just irritability, depression, anxiety, oftentimes related to vitamin D deficiency. So these are things you need to look at. Sleepiness, if you just feel like you're really fatigued and you have extra higher levels of daytime sleepiness could be related to vitamin D deficiency, muscle weakness. So, you know, you just feel like you're weak, you know, and you're trying to train, you're trying to lift things, but you just feel really, really weak. Again, kind of related to the fatigue uh, and the muscle and the greater pain sensitivity, that's a vitamin D deficiency, or oftentimes can be. High blood pressure can also be a factor uh, with vitamin D deficiency. A lot of people who are vitamin D deficient develop hypertension, high blood pressure. Um, again, endurance related to muscle, you know, just uh, your overall ability to produce cellular energy goes down a lot with vitamin D deficiency. So it can be a big factor. You're, you, you have more bone loss. So you're, you're higher risk for stress fracture, fractures, osteoporosis, osteomalacia, or weakening of the bones, frequent illness. Vitamin D is so critical for uh, your immune system. So it plays a really important role there. If you're getting sick often, it's often times associated with a vitamin D deficiency. And then vitamin D is really critical for a child's brain, for the development of the brain. So if mom is vitamin D deficient and she has a baby, that baby has much likely, much more likely chance of developing learning disorders. Now that we can help that by supplementing with vitamin D. And so getting the vitamin D levels up is super key and super key for aging successfully. Now also omega-3s, having the right balance of fatty acids. You can see right here, this is a cell membrane. This is on the outer layer of every cell of your body. 
And on this cell membrane, you need the right amount of omega-6 fats, which are called essential fats, the right amount of omega-3 fats. You also need saturated fat and cholesterol. Saturated fat and cholesterol play a critical role in this cell membrane. So most people are not getting, they're getting bad fats like trans fats, and they're getting a lot of omega-6 fats, not enough omega-3 fats. So getting the right amount there, supplementing with some omega-3 fatty acids, eating a lot of good, healthy, saturated fats also um, is very, very good for aging successfully. Zinc is another critical mineral that uh, oftentimes people are deficient in. And here are classic symptoms of zinc deficiency. Again, some are similar to vitamin D, like, uh, like frequent colds and flu or flus. Uh, that could be a sign. Oftentimes, you know, you lose your smell, skin issues like rashes and eczema can be a sign. Fertility issues or issues with your libido can oftentimes also be a sign of zinc deficiency. So zinc is super critical for our immune system. It's super critical for keeping cellular DNA under control and, uh, you know, protecting against cancer, helping balance our hormones, helping uh, support progesterone production to keep estrogen testosterone under, under balance and also helps support just good optimal testosterone production as well. So super important there. Now, here are the top 12 inflammatory lab markers. And I have a different training where I go through these in a lot more detail. So you can check that out. But uh, high, sensitive, high sensitivity C-reactive protein is a really key one. We want to see that under one. Hemoglobin A1C, I already talked about that one. We want to see that ideally under five, at most up to 5.2. 4.5 to 5.2 is really a good range. Fasting insulin, we typically want to see that between one and five. Um, serum ferritin, this is uh, you know, an iron storage marker. And what happens is when we have inflammation, we oftentimes will have elevations here. And the reason for that is an, it's what we call an acute phase reactant, where we're keeping iron in storage and not putting it into util utilization, excuse me, because a lot of pathogens, parasites and bacteria will use iron to help help their body grow or help them grow. And so, and cancer cells will as well. And so the one of the ways the body deals with that is it keeps its iron in storage form so ferritin levels go up, but oftentimes we'll start to see like serum iron, stuff like that go down. Now, also, if we do have too much iron, okay, like a condition called hyperchromatosis, in that condition, we have too much iron. And so, of course, we'll see ferritin high and too much iron creates oxidation, uh, creates more inflammation. So that can be an issue. Red blood cell width. So the red blood cells should have a certain size. When they grow larger than they should, that's a sign of inflammation. Homocysteine, which is a breakdown product of methionine metabolism and can turn into glutathione as a master antioxidant, but also at, uh, you know, if we don't have the bright B vitamins, for example, B6, B12, B2, and folate um, or B9, then we end up with elevated homocysteine, which creates more oxidative stress, increases our risk of things like strokes, uh, heart, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, so really damages the vascular tissue. Erythrocyte sedimentation rate, or ESR, along with platelets. When these are elevated, it's a sign of really sticky blood. So that's a sign of uh, inflammation in the system, drives up ESR and platelets. Lactate dehydrogenase, LDH, which is a breakdown product 
uh, or an enzyme, I should say, that helps with lack with with uh, glucose metabolism. So when we see this really high, it's a sign that we have poor metabolic flexibility, and it's also a sign that we uh, our, our our bodies are inflamed, and so they're. Uh, more of this LDH is coming out of the cells. Okay, if it's really low, it's also a sign of reactive hypoglycemia, or you know, basically a poor ability to burn uh, glucose for for fuel. So that's also an issue. So we ideal zone is somewhere around like 140 to 180. Neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. These are white blood cells, and we should really have the optimal ratio of these. And I talk about that in the inflammatory lab markers. Uh, you know, um, video, but you know, it's roughly, uh, you know, just, just under like 1.5. So we don't want a lot more neutrophils to lymphocytes. And I see this often on people. And so when we have chronic inflammation, neutrophils go up, lymphocytes are depressed. And that is an issue. That's a sign. And that's something you could see on just like a, a routine, complete blood count. Like you don't even need these specialized labs. You can already start to see that liver enzymes, liver enzymes shouldn't be real high. That's your ALT, AST, your GGT. You know, if those things are up over 26, that's a sign of stress on the liver. Lipid panel, right? So we want to keep our lipids, you know, under control. And I talk, a lot, again, a lot more about that in the lab markers video. So check that out. Um, but, you know, if you're seeing your LDL to HDL ratio up over three or your triglyceride to HDL ratio up over two, that is a sign of inflammation there, right? Or a sign of insulin resistance, I should say. Uh, that could be a factor. And then your vitamin D3 levels, right? Ideally seeing these up over 50 and really ideally, you know, somewhere between like 60 and 90 uh, vitamin D for optimal health. Guys, I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite superfood chocolate powders. It's called Cacao Bliss. You see, cacao is unprocessed chocolate, and it is rich in neuroactive alkaloids that boost dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. These are your feel-good neurotransmitters that really make you feel alive and well. And it's also rich in polyphenols like EGCG, which we think about when we think of green tea, that helps protect your brain and your body from oxidative stress, helps you age more effectively and feel better than ever. And my favorite brand of cacao powder is Cacao Bliss because they use 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, which allows them to maintain their full integrity of powerful health benefits. They blend it with turmeric, one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory herbs on the planet. They put in MCT oil and coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper, and they sweeten it with monk fruit, which is an all natural sweetener that does not impact your blood sugar. And those compounds like cinnamon, MCT oil, really help stabilize your blood sugar. So this is a fantastic powder you can put in almond milk, coconut milk, you can put it in your protein shakes. You can use it for baking if you're making chocolate muffins or a chocolate cake or making a chocolate protein shake like I do almost every single day. This is a fantastic mix to throw in there. It's gonna help enhance your mood, your memory and your mindset and really help you experience pure bliss. That's why they call it cacao bliss. So guys, if you are a chocolate lover, maybe a superfood enthusiast, or just someone who wants to experience life at a higher level, I invite you to try out Cacao Bliss today. If you go to the website, Earth 
echofoods.com forward slash David Jockers. Let me spell that for you. E-A-R-T-H-E-C-H-O-F-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash David Jockers. Use the coupon code David at checkout to get 15% off of the Cacao Bliss. And this is a low-carb, gluten-free, GMO-free, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly superfood powder that you will love. So try that out today. Again, use the coupon code David at checkout, earthechofoods.com forward slash David Jockers. Use the coupon code David to get 15% off today. Now let's talk about some of the best foods you should be consuming, right? We want an anti-inflammatory diet. So we want grass-fed, pasture-raised meat. Um, We want wild-caught fish. These things provide the healthy fats, the omega-3s, the saturated fats that we really need uh, to line all of our cell membranes and keep inflammation under control. We want to consume a lot of antioxidants. That's going to be things like lemons, limes, berries. Those are very low sugar, but rich in nutrients non-starchy vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, um, cucumbers, things like that. They're non-starchy. They don't have much sugar or starch, but they're also a lot of nutrients, a lot of healthy fiber in them. We could do different teas like green tea, for example, or ginger tea, which are loaded with antioxidants that are healthy for the body. Avocados and avocado oil, um, lots of nutrients, fat-soluble nutrients in there, good fiber in the avocado. Uh, So good stuff to use, bone broth, vegetable broths for collagen and uh, other nutrients that are in there, apple cider vinegar, extra virgin olive oil and olives, fermented veggies, coconut, you know, your different coconut fats, lots of herbs, turmeric, basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary, garlic, onions, chives. These things are loaded with antioxidants that support gut health. They support keeping inflammation under control. So that's what we want to be sticking with. And then also getting our body into a state of ketosis from time to time. This is key. We don't have to be in ketosis all the time, but from time to time, we want our body running off ketones because we can get a lot more metabolic energy from ketones with significantly less free radicals and metabolic waste. So when we burn sugar for fuel, we produce a lot less cellular energy, about a net of two ATP, as opposed to ketones, we're producing like a net of 34 uh, ATP. So it's like significantly more energy. It's a easier process to produce it. And we have a lot less metabolic waste. So with glucose, we produce a lot more metabolic stress or oxidative stress that can damage the mitochondria. And if we're using a glucose for energy a lot, then we are going to damage those mitochondria. We're going to create those senescent cells that I was talking about. So we really only want to be using glucose for an energy source when we're under a lot of stress. That's really what glucose is for. When we're under stress, like when we're exercising, for example, we're doing things that we just can't produce. We, we can't get enough oxygen to produce enough to produce the energy we need. That's when we need to kick in some glucose. But other than that, we want to be producing energy from fat or ketones. Now, the difference here is that pretty much all, almost all of our cells can use fat for fuel except for our brain. So we need to, our brain and our red blood cells. So we need, for our brain, we need to uh, get the ketones. Ketones are water-soluble molecules made from fat that can cross the blood-brain barrier. Fat can't, fatty acids can't. So ketones are a fuel source for the brain. So when your blood sugar goes down, 
The other cells are, they kick into fat burning, but your brain can't. And that's why a lot of people will get hangry, right? Where they get really angry and irritable and they'll have headaches, nausea, things like that when their blood sugar goes down because their body isn't metabolically flexible. So if sugar is going down, those brain cells are becoming hypoxic. They're, they're not able to produce energy effectively. And so we end up with a lot of unwanted symptoms. But if we have ketones elevated in our bloodstream, we won't do that. The ketones will fuel us. Now, fasting is one of the best ways to get into ketosis. And it's also a great way to calm inflammation, to get rid of senescent cells and cellular organelles, bad mitochondria, you know, bad proteins that are built up in our system. And fasting does that, intermittent as well as extended fasting. It also helps improve the microbiome and it helps regenerate our immune cells. So a lot of great benefits here. Now, sleep is actually when we detoxify our brain. So fasting, getting into ketosis, and then also sleeping well is super critical for healthy aging. So when we sleep, we actually activate a part of our nervous system called the uh, glial cells, right? Which is really kind of a combination of nervous system, immune system, lymphatic system, right? Because the glial cells are immune cells in our nervous system. And they go to work and they flush out dirty fluid and molecules from inside the brain. They clean up your cerebral spinal fluid. They get rid of damaged uh, you know, brain cells and things like that, flush them out of the system. And that's what we need. You know, We need that in order to think sharply and quickly. We need that in order to have a healthy brain as we age. So we got to be able to sleep well. This is super critical. So here are my top steps for good sleep. Keep your room cool. So most people are sleeping best when their room is like 65 degrees or so. Um, you can also do things like, for example, you can get um, you know, like a chili pad type thing, which is like a mattress topper that you put water into and it actually sets the temperature. So you're laying on it and it puts you in a cooler environment. And then you've got like a, a, a blanket on top to keep you warm. And many people notice that they just sleep great with this. Keep your room as dark as possible. Use a sleep mask. Okay, this is something I use. You know, you want to keep as much light out of the out of the environment as possible, but also especially out of your eyes, uh, in order to get really good deep melatonin and deep sleep. Avoid caffeine within eight hours of sleeping. So, you know, if you have caffeine, have it earlier in the day. Don't eat within three hours of sleeping. That will interfere with good digestion and good sleep. Get sun exposure during the day. So at the time I'm doing this video, it's morning time, it's in the winter. Um, and I took a walk outside, it was beautiful sun. Getting sunshine early in the day actually helps set your circadian rhythm. So it actually helps your body understand when, when is daytime, when is nighttime, because we have all this blue light and lights all around us. And so it's super key that, you know, we're getting sun in, in the during the day and being exposed to light. And then in the evening, you got to dim your lights, wind down, right? Avoid bright light, super critical. I like to wear uh, blue light blocking glasses as well to help block out blue lights. Um, and then exercise regularly, right? Exercise itself is so good for healthy sleep and good for your body, but you don't want to do it too late, okay? Ideally within four hours of going to sleep. So if you go to bed at 10, um, you know, and I always say every hour of sleep before midnight is equivalent to three hours of sleep of the regenerative capacity of sleep after midnight. So going to bed early is a good idea. It's going to help you sleep or it's going to help you heal at a higher level. 
Um, and so exercise you shouldn't do within four hours of going to bed. So if you go to bed at 10, uh, which is a great time because you get that you know, time before midnight, you're going to secrete more growth hormone, you can have more anti-aging effects, then um, you, know, you wouldn't want to exercise you know, after six, for example. And then of course you want to wind down at 9 p.m. So you shouldn't have goals after 9 p.m. If you have goals that you're trying to accomplish after nine, that's going to stimulate more stress hormones and you're not going to be able to fall asleep as effectively. It's going to blunt your melatonin. So you really need to start winding down at nine. Now, benefits of movement. So I talked about exercise being so important. Well, you need a combination of movement and exercise. So movement is just gentle movement, like walking throughout the day, for example, or dancing or you know, just something light that uh, is very just you know easy on the body, right? And that's anti-inflammatory when we do that. It improves circulation, oxygenation of the tissues, helps drain your lymphatic system, reduces stress, good for your mood and happiness and your, your mental clarity and your memory. And then a few times a week, you want to add in some exercise, right? And I really recommend high intensity exercise like strength training. Okay. When you strength train, you're going to build lean body tissue. And in order to age effectively, we really need to have good muscle tissue. So doing some strength training, I personally like four days a week. I do two days where I do upper body. And so like, for example, Monday and Thursday, I do upper body exercises, push and pull exercises, working my back, my chest, my shoulders, my arms, okay? And so I have three days rest in between Monday and Thursday, and then four days between Thursday and the following Monday, so I'm able to rest and recover well. Then on Tuesday and Friday, those are lower body days. So I'm doing squats and lunges and deadlifts. So this is a really great way to strengthen your body Okay, you're doing two days a week, upper body, two lower body days, and give yourself, you know, adequate recovery. I recommend about 72 hours of recovery, somewhere between 72 to 96 hours of recovery between muscle group workouts. So between doing upper body, you know, if I do upper body on Monday, I need 72 to 96 hours before I do upper body again. So that would get me to Thursday or Friday before I do it again. So hopefully that makes sense. And then beyond that, just walking and moving your body throughout the day. Now, having the right mentality, right? So we talked about stress and how big a factor stress is. Well, we, you know, the more that we can focus on being grateful, grateful, gratitude is one of the best gifts you can give yourself. And it's so good for reducing the effects of stress on aging. People who spend time with a daily gratitude practice tend to be more aware of their thoughts and their stress. And therefore, they're able to reshift their mind. And they tend to have more energy and optimism. They're less bothered by life's hassles. They're more resilient when they face stress. You know, sometimes we can't get away from stress. Sometimes it's self-made stress, right? Where we are thinking thoughts that, you know, are, are causing stress and worry. And we can just reframe our mind. But other times there's real stressors we've got to deal with that are stressful. Well, guess what? Being grateful and having a gratitude practice actually gives you more resilience. You're able to handle that stress with less of the delirious effects on your body. So it's a lot better. Being grateful is going to help you age more effectively. You're going to be healthier, have a positive mood. It's going to help you enjoy your life more. So tips to becoming more grateful. Keep a daily journal and write down three things you're thankful for. You can do it in the morning, you can do it at night, but do it on a daily basis. Every single day, make it a practice of telling somebody in your life something you appreciate about them, right? Just something 
that you appreciate and are grateful for about them. Do your best to silence the negative. You know, we can't do it all the time. Nobody's going to be perfect here, but try to make an effort not to complain and give energy and life to pessimism and negativity. Now, beyond that, we also need to really detoxify our body well. Our primary detoxifying organ is our liver, right? That's the primary detoxifying organ. The liver is very much... Uh, can you know it can it's very much affected by our emotions. So if we're angry, if we have a lot of stress, right? If we have unforgiveness, the liver can become burdened and we're not able to detoxify well. So you know, mindset plays a big role with this. But liver deactivates toxins. So toxins are coming in through our lungs, our skin, and then through our diet, right? Our gut and our small intestine. Liver is a primary detoxifying organ, and then we are el- eliminating toxins through our skin our kidneys, our colon, and our lungs, right? This is how we're getting rid of the toxins. And so, you know, and then if we have to store the toxins, right, the toxins get stored in our fat cells, our bone marrow, and primarily our central nervous system, fat cells, a little bit in our liver, like if we have fatty liver, for example. But uh, these toxins can also get into our joints, our blood, our tissues, and our muscles. So it's really important that we're opening up our detoxification pathways. So there's a lot of different things that we can do in order to do that. Okay. And I have my liver cleanse guide uh, that's a part of this or or that you can find either on my website or uh, in uh, my uh, autophagy program that will help you with this, guys. So check that out. And then using probiotics. Probiotics are really important for helping our body to detoxify and heal. So, you know, making sure that we are, um, you know, getting the right bacteria in our digestive system. So important for our for good health. And then we want to do our best to balance our EMF exposure. So, you know, we're going to be exposed to EMFs from, you know, our cell phones, cell towers, right? Different devices that we have at our home. But the more that we can be around natural native EMFs, right? Coming from the earth, the healthier we're going to be. So a practice that I do is I go out, go outside and I go barefoot on grass, on the grass in my front yard every morning. And I do some stretching and pray during that period of time. And I do it for about five to 10 minutes. And that is a daily practice that is so good for your electromagnetic frequency of your body. And it's like showering your electromagnetic field. So really good. And then, you know, from time to time, you know, go outside in the, when the weather is nice and spend more time being in touch with nature, whether it's hiking, whether it's just sitting barefoot on your lawn or, you know, laying out barefoot on your lawn, you know, with getting a lot of your body exposed to nature and the natural electromagnetic fields coming from nature. And then you can also go to the beach, for example, and take walks on the beach. And one of the best ways to get good EMFs is kind of like a moist environment. So that's why like morning time grass is good because it's a moist environment, but also the beach when you're walking on the beach and kind of the area where like the water starts to come in, um, you know, on the sand, that's a great area to to get better healthier electromagnetic frequencies and it's like these free electrons that act to help buffer oxidative stress that come out of the earth and we're able to really harness that and utilize that for our own health benefits now vitamin d we want to make sure we get our vitamin d levels to an optimal level so we don't you know under 50 i consider deficient now 
if you go to a general medical doctor, they're going to say 30 or more is good, but we actually want it well above that. So up over 50, 50 to 70 is considered optimal. But if we're dealing with chronic inflammation or some sort of major disease, there's evidence to say we may want it between 70 and 100 nanograms per milliliter, right? So getting your vitamin D levels tested on a regular basis, um, very good idea for how well you want to age and keeping uh, that overall inflammation under control. And then we talked about omega-3s and getting a long chain omega-3s like fish oils, uh, these long chain uh, omega-3s, EPA and DHA, so important for keeping inflammation under control, great for brain health, cardiovascular health, hormone health, insulin sensitivity, immune response. So, you know, really, really good stuff to be using on a regular basis here. And then also getting in a lot of herbs that help activate autophagy. Activating autophagy is so critical for good, healthy aging. So things like quercetin, we find in red onions, cranberries, and elderberries, EGCG or epigalactic attachins, which we find in green tea, olong tea, and dark chocolate, citrus bergamot, which we find in earl gray tea and the bergamot orange, carnosinic acid, we find in oregano, sage, rosemary, thyme has some of that in it, basil, right? So these things are really great for us. Curcumin and resveratrol and ginger has compounds like six shagayol that help with autophagy. So these things are great to be putting into our diet, drinking herbal teas and taking supplements with. So my top supplements for inflammation, right? To age successfully and keep inflammation under control beyond getting omega-3s and the vitamin D, like I talked about, <clears throat> are going to be this inflamed defense, right? And this has clinical doses of proteolytic enzymes, which break down um, circulating proteins, bad senescent cells, and they help clear out inflammatory cytokines and all kinds of bad stuff. And they have, has curcumin in it, has quercetin, resveratrol, small amount of resveratrol in there. Uh, it has rosemary in there as well. And it has boswellia and ginger, right? So really a full herbal blend to help keep inflammation under control and improve and protect us against oxidative stress and inflammation. Now, beyond that, I also really like resveratrol power, especially if you wanna notice a lot of the aging effects in your skin and in your blood vessels, right? Because resveratrol and quercetin, resveratrol actually comes from the outer skin of berries like grapes. Grapes and, and blueberries have some resveratrol in them, things like that. So. It's in the outer skin and quercetin is in the outer skin of things like elderberries and um, onions and stuff like that. And so these things by nature, you know, they just have this effect on our endothelial lining. So our skin and our internal layer of our blood vessels. And they also are really powerful for activating anti-aging pathways called sirtuins, particularly resveratrol is really important for that and improving mitochondrial health. Okay, they also have potent abilities, for example, quercetin um, and resveratrol are antihistamine. So they help us adapt to histamine more effectively. A lot of people have histamine issues. And uh, they're also zinc ionophores, meaning that, you know, particularly quercetin helps get zinc into cells so it can be utilized, right? In particular, zinc also helps to shut down viral replication. So we know 
uh, overactivity of viruses can be a major factor when it comes to inflammaging and it comes to developing you know, several different chronic diseases. So quercetin, by helping get zinc into the cell, helps shut down viral activity, helps silence viruses. So very powerful for that. And then one last thing I want to talk about is red light therapy, especially for you know, reducing the effects of aging on our skin. Red light therapy, and you can get a device that does this, but it's really, really good for supporting collagen production, helping prevent against wrinkles, things like that, helps stimulate the mitochondria within your, your skin so they're stronger, more stress resilient. It's also great for circadian rhythm and sleep, red light therapy, particularly doing it like earlier in the day or around sunset, um, kind of mimics sunrise and sunset. Now there's natural red light and infrared light that's coming out at those times. And so you can get a device, red light therapy device that has uh, infrared as well as red light. And so you're getting those benefits and the infrared really helps with circulation, helps penetrate deeper and red is more of the surface, but it's great for skin conditions, great for um, your circadian rhythm, helping reduce inflammation in the system, supporting good mitochondria and stress resilient skin and tissues. So huge fan of that. So anyways, guys, hopefully, you know, this has been a helpful training and we'll see you guys in a future training. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on, or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.